0: Welcome to episode 101, triple digits, finally we've made it. This is Dope Nostalgia, and I'm Naomi, your host. We have a guest today by the name of Frederick Thomas. He's a member of the 1990s pop group Natural Selection. He joins us with a wonderful chat about their history and what's up now. Before we get into that, let's give you a little bit of background on Natural Selection wikipedia moments natural selection were a pop r&b band from minneapolis minnesota which was formed by elliot erickson and originally included singer steve Bryan's. frederick thomas is the one that you're gonna know in this track Together, they recorded a remake of Nick Kershaw's song, Wouldn't It Be Good, which was picked up independently by Brian Phillips from radio station KDWB, where it generated some buzz around the Minneapolis and Wisconsin radio scene and brought them attention. Steve later left the band and was replaced by Frederick. Natural Selection's song, Do Anything, was written and recorded on a four-track recorder in Minnesota. The song remained incompleted until Elliot began working on it again in 1989. The rap on the song was originally recorded and improvised by singer Ingrid Chavez, who was a friend of the duo. He's going to tell you all about that and more, of course. But in 1990, the first version of this song, Do Anything, featuring Ingrid's raps, became a local hit on Minnesota radio station, WLOL-FM, where Elliot worked as a remix engineer at the time. Once Natural Selection signed a record deal... Ingrid's raps were re-recorded by singer Nikki Harris because Ingrid was under contract with Prince's record label, Paisley Park, at the time. Do Anything became a smash hit and made it to number two on the Billboard Hot 100. The follow-up single from the album, Hearts Don't Think They Feel, peaked at number 28 on the Billboard Hot 100. And another track from the album, It's Sweet, was released promotionally, but didn't make the charts. In 1992, Frederick and Elliot went their separate ways. Frederick kept the band's name alive informally and added two new members, John Swan and Sean Ware. They had a record deal with SVK Records, but when the label fell apart, so did the group. But several years later, Natural Selection reunited and independently made an eight-song record called Infinity. According to research, Frederick Thomas was pursuing a solo career as of 2018, and he's told us so much about what he's been up to. He's one of the most lovely people I've ever had a chance to chat with. So thank you for coming and joining us today. Guys, welcome Frederick to the show. Very nice to meet you, Frederick, and I am very honored to have you on the show. So and you had mentioned to me it's been a while since we've been doing many interviews, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I I haven't done. Well, first of all, I haven't probably done any Zoom interviews. I think this is gonna be my first, so you're breaking me in um, with this. Not done any, and as far as interviews in general, it's been quite a while, Mm -hmm. Um, these kind of interviews, yeah.
0: Now, I'd like to give everybody a brief rundown on the band's inception because I mean, we can always go look up on Wikipedia or whatever. It's easier just to get like a brief rundown from your point of view about how you came together.
1: Sure. Yeah, and a lot of that stuff. I'll say this: um, Wikipedia. Some of that is not because I've seen some of it, and some of it's not exactly accurate.
2: Mm.
1: So, yeah, at least for us. And then, then it changes. I see different things up there. I'm like, who's posting this stuff? So, exactly. Because
0: anyone can edit it. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's then. That's the thing. I was like, wait, that didn't go down like that. Wait. Right. <laughs> we. So it was 1980 about eighty-eight, eighty-nine was when um, I met Elliot. And um, I met him through some mutual musician friends as we like to say. And we used to just get together and jam and later we'll be able to bring some of these people who you probably have heard of <laughs> that would later be on in connection with us and work with us and stuff like that. A lot like Ingrid Chavez, people like that. Um, but we all used to jam and and record together and me and him kind of hit it off and we started doing some, some things on the side. And, um, I think at the time he was working, he was doing remixes. That's what it was for various radio stations. And I think he'd been involved in radio quite a bit. I think he had taken broadcasting class cause he, I think he, like it was some, I like think he was in um, St. Cloud or Monticello, Minnesota, where I think he had went to college and took that. And he was like on, what do you call it? The, um, the universities, the radio station. There. I think he, he worked there because he kind of had that radio voice and we'll be right back. He kind of could do that sort of thing. And, um, but he also was a, a, a keyboard a piano player, very good. And he liked to write and, and, and produce things on the side also and so we connected and we started working on a couple of different things and this doing anything is one of those things that kind of stood out i just had this bass line that was in my head and i was like oh yeah this is kind of this is kind of nice and he goes yeah i kind of like that and he started he said i think i could do something with that um and he started building chords around it mm. and um then uh, so it gets a little convoluted here, because actually, when we initially wrote the be- the beginning of the song or the start to write the, the song, the beginning of writing a song, um, I left actually Minneapolis and came back a couple of different times. So that actually Do Anything was originally written. Probably 1989. OK, and. Of course, it wasn't released till late till 91, but so in the interim, we were working with other people doing other things, but we'd come back to the song and because we thought we had something. So we come back to the song and rework it and whatever the latest thing that was happening, because you want to try to do what's big. If you're trying to get a record deal, you want to do some things that are contemporary and what's happening on the radio. So we're going to put a rap in it, eight bars, 16 bars, whatever, it needs this kind of hook. And then you're compressing everything. that The 90s was a lot of compression in radio.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> so we did a lot of that. And just finding the hooks and, and things to, to make it come to fruition, which eventually, 91, mm-hmm. um, they did. So yeah, um oh, go ahead.
0: I've gotta compliment you on that baseline. <laughs> I
1: absolutely think Thanks. it's brilliant. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. <I> just, <laughs> um a lot of uh, a lot of my influences. Uh, I don't even know what I had in my mind then, but I, I like to tell people what this it's not gonna it'll be this is so obscure maybe for few for some people, but there was a song called, um, there's a couple of songs that kind of had helped, made me become influenced by that song. So one was, uh, do you remember a song called Mr. Big Stuff? No. So there's two, di- it's two different versions. So Heavy D did a version he remade, but it's an originally by, I can't remember. I may, maybe it was a woman, like Betty, Betty Wright or somebody like that. Okay. But the line from that and, um, uh, yeah, mo- I guess it was that kind of in- inspired me to kind of come. Oh, and the cleanup woman, mm-hmm. which it's a different baseline, but that that particular song kind of put me in the mind frame of to write something like that. So
0: maybe that feel,
1: right? And I think that song. It, uh, the people will probably correct us, I think that is by Betty Wright. The cleanup, the cleanup woman. You probably heard it. I um, think so. Yeah. Yeah, Circus '70 maybe. It's, it's 75, maybe. It's an older one. Yeah.
0: So was this uh, the first song that you and Elliot wrote together? Or
1: actually, you... no. We no. we were no, we um were in a group then called <laughs> Band Amsterdam. And Ooh. um yes. <laughs> so you gotta imagine this is like mid mid to late 80s and there was a guy named Sparkel Anthony. I still talk to him. we still I just reconnected with him and um, Ermel Andrews who toured with me in natural selection, Elliot and uh, Ingrid would come in there. Ingrid Chavez would come in there sometimes and with us and and do some things mm. and um, God, who else was in there it was it was kind of a, a group of people who would sort of a, a revolving group if you will
2: mm-hmm.
1: and one of the first songs we wrote were actually me and sparkel and armel are talking about rewriting because we never got a chance to get it recorded um it's just four track stuff and it and a lot of people at the time was like that's that's a nice song you guys should put that out and it's called love you like a broken watch ah. very very nice very nice cool. song so that'll be something that we're going to do some of the newest stuff or you know, re-recording and re-releasing. Wow. Yeah. But so, yeah, so I know that would, we had a uh, few other songs that we'd done. I'm trying to remember the names of some of them specifically um, besides that one. Oh, um, a Sacrifice was another one. Elliot played uh, keyboards on that and was a um, very integral part of the production of it. Hmm. um a few more and they'll come to me as we yeah uh, maybe later but yeah a few others too
0: yeah i'll definitely have some questions about some of the other tracks that came out on the album um i remember oh, yeah. when i first heard the song i think it was on open house party okay do you remember that syndicated radio show
1: vaguely was it similar to casey Kasem's uh oh, yeah. top 10 Okay, that sounds familiar. I was more familiar with Casey Kasem's,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, uh, but yeah, um, I feel like I have heard of it, though. Yeah,
0: yeah, the host's name was at the time was John Garabedian. I do remember that. I don't know if you guys were ever guests on the show, but I, I, that's where the song was introduced to me. Um, really?
1: Yeah. What was the show based? Was it based in L.A. or New York, or was it Canadian?
0: It's or? not Canadian. It was definitely syndicated out of the U.S.,
1: Okay. And it would okay.
0: play, um, usually on Saturday nights, but at least like oh. if it's syndicated, it can really create, sure. it could be on at any it anytime, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. Um, so, okay. and then the song yeah. for people who didn't know made it to number two on the billboard hot 100, correct?
1: It correct. Yeah. I had to check cause that's uh, a
0: Wikipedia thing. So I wanted to make sure that, that is right. true.
1: That, that is true. <laughs> no, that's true. Um, we well it started out so the story goes it started out as a local or i guess you'd say a, a local hit in minneapolis and elliot worked at one of the radio stations mm. uh wlol was one in minneapolis and they had a competition which is kdwb and they had you know s- sister companies and other markets that would you know if you got a hit there they would jump on it so uh how we got signed actually if you want me to go into that some of that right now so yeah so so we so i got back to minneapolis and we re-recorded the song and we added uh like that break part we added a bridge because i don't know if the bridge was there um and then we added some more background vocals and mind you all this was done on a full track Mm -hmm. and yeah, and it was so when we ran out of tracks and people from, you know, the the us the Generation X and Y will know what this is, but a lot of the younger people might not know it's so a four-track. So then after you ran out of tracks, you would start bouncing tracks to clear tracks up. Yeah. So you would lose a generation. <laughs> so you'd lose a generation of the sound quality, but you'd have more room to put something else on the track. Yes, and so that's what we did. So we had to do that because we loaded uh, a lot of vocals on there, and um, so some local promotion people. Because back then, they had like so if you had uh, Arista, Atlantic, Warner Brothers, Giant, whoever they would have local promotion people in various cities. And one of the cities was Minneapolis. I'm sure they had them in Chicago, whatever, you know, Cleveland or wherever else, especially if there was a hot pocket of music starting to, to take off. And um, so a few local promotion people from one from Arista, one from Atlantic and Warner brothers caught wind of it. Cause they get these, there's a, a, a it probably does not exist anymore, but there's a weekly periodical called uh, the Monday Morning Quarterback. And it used to give all it was mostly for radio industry people. It would give you it would give you the countdown of what's being played, the uh, what do you call it, the, the graphics uh, of what what's rising, what's falling. It's kind of like Billboard, but more intense and in- intricate. Mm-hmm. Um, the data on that, all that stuff. And so these people that did research and found out that doing anything was starting to get played a lot. And they would do the local station would do what they call um, surveys where they would. And I don't know if they do this in Canada or the radio stations that you were listening to back then. But they would call these people, play a bit of the song and say, did you like that? Did you like this? Um, And you could vote on the song that way. Or you could request. So our song started getting requested a lot and it got good um, survey, uh, good ratings in those surveys. Hmm. So it started just going. So basically we went from like f- 38 or something when it first started and then it started going and going up the charts. And and mind you, I, was, I had left Minneapolis and came out to where I reside now, the Seattle area. And... Um, and uh, he called me, he goes, you know, this song's picking up, man. He's like, you might have to come back here and, and see what's going on. Cause I'm telling you. And I, you know, I kind of, I believed it, but when he, when he said, look, it's playing on the radio and other people started calling me and tell me, you guys, this song is, uh, starting to, to go up the local chart here. You, this is crazy. So long story short, he, some some promotion people called the radio station, got in touch with the program director, and they got in touch with Elliot, because he was also a remixer, like I said, on one of those stations. Mm. And they were like, oh, we, you got a good song here. We'd like to talk to you, um, see what we can do. So he initially met with them, because I was still out, and so like I said, in Seattle, kind of, I'd just become a father, so I was taking care of my son at that time. And, um he um, so they called they called him and he he calls me. He said, "Yo," he said, "There's some people here that want to meet with us from Arista, from Atlantic and Warner Brothers." And he said, "I they he said this is serious business." He said, "This is they they're not just kind of blowing smoke up. They just they really want to get something going because they see how well the song is doing." He called me, told me that. And I go, OK, we'll just keep me posted. So he had he met with some of the people from those at least uh, Arista. That was the other one. And the guy was like, yeah, we we'd love to have you guys. We look seems like you got a great record here. Now, in the 90s, a lot of people were signing what is known as singles deals. So initially they initially they wanted to sign us for a singles deal to see how it would do so that they don't you know put all their money into something that they felt like might not come to fruition (coughs) excuse me so um so they had said you know well let's meet with you guys we'll get you have a formal meeting with the other with your partner and see what's happening see where you want to go and see we can crunch some numbers and you know, as they say, you can tell us some lies, and we can tell you some lies. That record <laughs> companies, <done>. yeah, right. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, um, moving, advancing, way forward. So, I had to go back to Minneapolis, and because Elliot called and told me, he's like, you know, Arista wants to fly us out to New York because they're serious about signing us at least to to a um, to a singles deal with the option. To do an album if that record does well mm. uh, you can get a hit or two out of that then they will pick you up and that's that's because they were doing it i i knew a few people who had been signed to singles deals and kind of turned into an album which ours eventually would become an album because the song did so well yeah. um and so yeah so we met with them fly to new york meet with them they met um clive davis he liked it and yeah I, first it was an initial uh promotion guy there he was a one of the um a and r there and he goes i'm sure they were trying to get us to sign with him so they wanted to impress us like i'll blow them mind i'm gonna let them meet clive to go <gasps> and it was impressive but i was like hey you got i mean it's clive davis and all that but what else you got you know so yeah. we met him he's like you got a good song here we really like it and uh <laughs> <laughs> and um we hope that you guys are going to sign with us because we're going to we'll get you a singles deal but I'm pretty sure this thing is going to go up the charts and you guys can get an album out of it. And we were like great so they wine and dined us that was great cuz both of us at least financially were pretty broke at that time. So it was nice to be flown out to New York and stay at the Empire Hotel right there cross center the all this stuff. Yeah, so so, they put us up for about a week, wind and dying us. And then we went back and they said, Well, think about it. Let us know what you want to do. In comes Atlantic Records. They say, We, well, they said, What's going on? You got any bite on this? We go, Yeah, IRS is interested. And they're like, Oh, so, and I think a lot of times when one record company knows somebody else is interested, they're like, Oh, we got to get, you know, beat them to the punch, or whatever. So, so, it was a low level bidding war sort of in the beginning. So Atlantic said, okay, we'll fly you out and we want to meet with you and see what, you know, crunch some numbers, tell some lies, whatever. So we go out there, um, stay in New York again for about a week. <laughs> uh, same thing. They're like, we want you to sign with us and we'll do you one better. We will let you for the most part produce yourselves with a co-producer with somebody because you've never had a record deal and we don't know what you can do we don't you know so we'll have to get Mm -hmm. you in the studio watch you and see how this progresses but we are willing to say right now but that we won't be interfering but whereas Arista right off the 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 jump wanted us to have a uh producer and me and Elliot were kind of Against it. We are totally against it, but we would rather have had be self more self-contained and self-produced.
0: Was it a producer of their choosing as well? Like you wouldn't have even had the chance to choose?
1: More than likely, yes, because they uh, had I can't remember some of the people they mentioned. But yes, I think it would have been that situation. Mm-hmm. But they said, you know, you can throw some names out. And a lot of the people that I thought about, even at that time, were way too expensive for us at that time as a fledgling group. Like this is the days of Teddy Riley, mm. uh, the New Jack Swing type stuff, or that Spider Man guy. Um, who else? But um, yeah, I mean, there was a few others, but they were like, "Well, no, we we are <laughs> thinking some other people." So um, that guy's too expensive right now. So. Mm. So we went back to Atlantic, and they were like, well, we'll, we'll let you do it. We'll, we'll have to get some type of um, co-producers in there with you to watch you. So we're leaning toward them at this point. Then Warner Brothers, we get back to Minneapolis because that's over, so we get time to sort of think about it, think about what we want to do, although we are leaning towards Atlantic. And Warner Brothers goes, oh, well, we want some of this. We'll, you know, we'll... Uh, give you a deal too, a singles deal. But they said, we want to hear some more music. see what else you got. Mm. So Elliot and I, we, I don't even know what song we gave him. We gave him two other songs. One of the other songs was Hearts Don't Think They Feel, which would r- later become the second single released. And um, they were like, oh, okay, that's cool too. What else? So they, they kind of wanted us to keep recording. And we were like, okay, these people are already offering us a deal. They want us to keep going and we don't really unless they're gonna pay for this yeah then well you know because they you know we're doing this stuff on four track and on spec and you know all this stuff so it's like well unless you're gonna pay for it and event they had said that they would but they were just moving too slow so mm-hmm. um we eventually decided to go with atlantic Ah. and yeah so we went with atlantic which later became God, so many names: Adco East West, mm-hmm. East West, Atlantic Electra. So it came, it became all these things. But when we, our actual contract said Atlantic. But uh, if you look at our CD, I think on the back it says Atlantic Adco East West.
0: Mm-hmm. Which I mean, it's
1: all Atlantic at that point, at that time. These are
0: like subsidiaries, kind of thing. Yeah, like, so it just changes exactly. names.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes, or somebody will gobble them up and they'll say, "Well, this is a print." A boutique of we like now. I think was we is probably most of it now, which is yeah. warner Electra, whatever. Yeah. So basically, yeah, they were boutique, like a new sh- uh, shoot-off that um, Sylvia Roan was uh, head of.
0: So once the song is already charting before you're even mm-hmm. signed, right? Before you're even mm-hmm. signed. Once you get that record deal, it gives you the opportunity to make the album, and they pay for like the touring and all that, right? Did you get the, the chance to go on tour?
1: We did, uh, that's, yes, we did. Um, it was, um, it must've been like maybe 40, 50 cities. So it wasn't a major, major tour. Mm-hmm. And we was, so back then, you know, there were a lot of quick shows like that were sponsored by radio stations. So they almost almost them like track dates. So, to save money, you would not bring a whole band. You would still have to play, but you would play to your track. So, I was singing and Elliot was playing keyboards. And if we got any other instrumentalists or any other uh, background singers, you Mm -hmm. did that. But it was just a way to save money Mm -hmm. until you could get a band and get your own. Because uh, a lot of those uh, dates, we would flying around, which would get a little expensive. And some were on a bus, but a lot of them were uh, flights.
2: Mm.
1: And I've been checking. I've been binge watching a couple of your episodes. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, nice show, by the way. I, I'm loving yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just got through listening to the you did the Martin Page, mm-hmm. that one. But uh, one that really hit home with me was the Tara Kemp one.
0: Yeah.
1: And it was somebody else because actually we did about three or four shows with her. Now, I don't know if she would remember, but our first, speaking of touring, our first show in um, Oklahoma City at the Oklahoma State Fair was with Tara Kemp. (laughs) She's lovely. That was probably 19. Yes. And it was somebody else there like... (sighs) Maybe Tracy Spencer at the time, I think, Hannah, because we, we did a few shows with her, too. I think it was it was that was a smaller one, but it was like three or four groups, a handful. And she mm-hmm. was on the bill. And um, I think us, Tracy Spencer and some somebody else. Yeah. But there's a few people that I've heard you talk to. And I'm like, oh, I did a show with them, too. I did a show with those guys, too. So, yeah, it's
0: true. It's a. Uh... Yeah, no. She was telling me a lot of that happened. Um, she had done a lot of dates because um, she was on. She was signed under Giant, right? Okay, yeah. So, so she had done a lot of dates of with like Color Me Bad, who was also on the same label, and
1: uh, yeah, yeah. She told yeah. me a lot about those situations, how they put them yeah. Aside. It's we, no, that's yeah. We and that's we did a lot of shows with them too. Color mm-hmm. um, Me Bad. Um, I, oh God, I know we did, um, which was kind of a highlight when we played uh, that uk um award show top of the pops
2: Mm.
1: we did that they were there they played there and you know back in that particular part of the 90s radio was doing it was a very weird thing i don't know if you remember so you would start seeing. i mean you still had your rock urban or whatever these categories had, but music was kind of meshing and blending together so you had a lot of these shows where we did a show with that particular one in the top of the pops with uh, Naughty by Nature. Nice. Because um, they had OPP at the time. Um, uh, Salt and Pepper, mm. Kid and Play. Mm. Kathy Dennis was at that show. Um, Sweet. Telling me bad. And God. Um, Extreme, I think, was at that, that. I don't know if you remember that the yeah. pop right rock. Oh, I love Extreme. I, think, I yeah, love that. Yeah, they were. Band. That. Yes, they were. <laughs> they played at that award show too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Well, what a good and that's a huge mix of different types of artists. That's what music. I was saying. And that's yeah, pretty yeah, cool. you
1: know, yeah, a lot of different styles of, of things going on. Yeah.
0: What do you think was um, one of the most memorable of the, the performances that you did?
1: Wow. Um, well, that one. That one was one of them. Also. We when we played in Honolulu, we played Hawaii. That was nice. Mm-hmm. Um we did actually did two shows there, one at a big outdoor no indoor auditorium and then the next day we did an outdoor uh venue, which it was nice. Oh being in Hawaii was nice. And mm-hmm. it was my birthday too around that time when we um did those shows. Those were nice and I think at that particular show, uh, Gerardo was there. He played. Ah, cool. We went and we, we did check together. I think Tony Terry was at that show too, because I think he had a single out that was going up to charge. Um, and maybe Maya the Cat.
0: <laughs> Not- <laughs> she has to make an appearance in every episode, I swear.
1: Right. <laughs> um, uh, who else? Yeah, so that was that was one Hawaii and what else? Oh, we did one in Universal Studios in Orlando. That was a nice show that kind of stood out too.
0: Wow very nice
1: show. Yeah. Excellent. Um, yeah.
0: Now when we start talking about um, what's coming up before we do that, I did want to ask a little bit about the female vocalist on do anything because ah. when I first heard the song, I'm like as a teenager I thought, that sounds like Madonna. And then uh, I'm sure you heard that a million times. And then I was hearing it was Ingrid Chavez and I was hearing it was Nikki Harris, which would make sense with the Madonna comparison, but what happened with the female vocal on the track?
1: So, okay, so here we go. So very, another convoluted story. So in the beginning, when we first, when I was telling you about, we got back together and started to remix the track and put some things to it um we had the idea he's like we need one more thing to make this really just in your face he's like what if we got a female singer to to sing on it was like well maybe even beyond that let's get beyond that let's get a a female person to sort of talk on it and let's put it in that telephone because the lyric you know that i say in there um, and it's the first verse. He's like, let's actually, you know, take that even further. So then we said, well, who can we use? And I, you know, like I said, I had known Ingrid. We all used to live in the same area in, Minneapolis, in South Minneapolis. And I was like, uh, well, I know somebody that would be able to probably do it pretty well. So we, we let her hear it and asked her if it was something that she'd be interested in doing. And at the time, she was... I don't know if she was signed yet, but she was about to be, I think maybe she was signed actually to Prince's label to Paisley park. Mm. And she was just doing God, so many, I want, I'm, I got to stay focused. There's so many things I want to go into so many tributaries of things that I could tell you. So, um, so she um, said, yeah, I, I like the song. It's, I'll I'll do do what I can, you know, whatever. So we even let her co-write some lines in there, and some of them we made up, and she made up some of her own. So, um, so she was on Paisley Park at the time, and um, well, we weren't even think we didn't know it would be a conflict of interest, or you know, whatever with the label. We weren't even thinking that far ahead because we didn't know, and I don't think she was either. I think she thought it was like, oh, this is cute, this is something that'll you know, we'll see, because mm-hmm. it we it hadn't gone national yet. It was still local, but it was bubbling, and so she did it, and we recorded, sent it back to them, and they were like, "Oh my God, this is great! The way you guys put that in there, this is." And and then some of the people who didn't know who she was, and people that did though, they were like, "Oh, this will even be better for promotion, because you're in Minneapolis." She oh, she was in Graffiti Bridge too, mm-hmm. uh, the other uh, Prince movie. And so this will be another way for us to promote this and get that whole, is this Prince, is this a Prince protege project? Did he have anything to do with this? That whole thing. So History. it's like, it's gonna, yes, it's only yeah. going to work in your favor. Yeah. So that was just an added plus that we just happened to know her way before she got signed to Prince and all that stuff and got big or whatever. So she was the original person on the local version. Mm-hmm. so um months down the line the song's blown up then we get the deal with atlantic we sign whatever they say yeah we like it we're gonna go ahead and give you an album so it's now it's in i think the the first time it oh, let me see so the record company people said oh we have an issue here because she's signed to Paisley Park Records, which is, you know, Warner Brothers say it's not Atlantic, it's a whole different thing. Mm-hmm. So we might have an issue with that. And so one of the AR people told us, and some lawyers too, they said, Well, maybe you guys should maybe get just to be safe, get somebody else to do that part. You can still give her writers credit or whatever to for doing it and put her name on it, but we think you should get somebody else just to be safe. We were going to keep her. We were like, we think she should. Uh, we you didn't know about that kind of stuff, the, the legalities and all that stuff. But so they won that when they're like, no, we're going to switch. It's just to be safe. Cause this was in the era of a lot of people getting sued. Mm. The sampling thing was off the hook okay. and all that stuff. Like, no, we don't want any litigation. So we, said okay well who we're we gonna get to do it now so we tried a few people in the local area and it just didn't really it didn't sound the same it didn't mesh it was not yeah it just wasn't there and so brian maloof who's this engineer out in la they talked to him they said well do you know anybody we need to get somebody to to do this song he was already remixing our song making putting it on 48 tracks so it taking it from that um, um, the four track and putting it, you know, kind mm-hmm. of trying to make it sound a little bit better and, and, and bigger. And he said, oh, actually, yeah, I think I know somebody that would be great for this. He goes, you guys know who Nikki Harris is? And I go, yeah. I said that. I said, isn't that the woman that sings background for Madonna? They're like, yeah. He goes, I know her. I said, I think I can get her to do this. She's, you know, I mean, she doesn't have to write anything. We just, you just want her to do these exact parts, right? Or whoever it's going to be. I was like, yeah, we don't, we're not going to add, because they like all the lines are fine. We just need somebody else to do it. And he's like, well, let's, we're going to, like, let me ask her. So he asked her, she said, yeah, we paid her like a flat fee to do that. And she, um, yeah, she did it and that's when they were like, okay, we'll find that. We'll go ahead and release this and put it out. So there are versions and I have a few of the original with Ingrid on it. And I think I've saw one, somebody uploaded to YouTube, mm-hmm. the original, it's, it's a little faster and it's a little bit more raw. Cause you can tell it's still uh, four track ish,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but I think it's up, but that, yeah. So that's how that kind of became Nikki Harris um as the the background singer and speaker on that on that song wow do you think but it was originally do you think
0: there's any legality problems now to play a clip of the ingrid version on the show
1: no i don't think so no because i I kind of
0: want to play like a little of both so people can (laughs) can hear the difference you know okay here's a clip of the version with ingrid chavez the original sounds slightly different from the actual single release version which is the one with Nikki Harris. Check this out.
2: For I fuck you right Yes, we'll... I'm-
0: Now yeah. here we are. It was to correct me if I'm wrong, but 30 years ago this month, this month since is- it came out, right? Um, yes. The album itself. The album itself. Yes. The
1: album itself, yes. the album now- itself was uh, November 15th, so it's coming up. Yes.
0: Wow. What? Yeah. Uh, what was the delay that nothing has come out since?
1: Oh wow! So. So life happens. (laughs) You have get married, have kids Um, or in my case, more kids. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, I have two uh, younger daughters now also. Um, Yeah. Um, But actually, we did we did re-release not re-release. We did do a sophomore effort, but that was independent. So we were not signed because actually, you know, yeah, so 93, I think, is when they were like, well, we're not going to exercise the option to do another album with you guys. Cause, and a lot of it was because me and Elliot were kind of in different places. He mostly wanted to do production. Mm-hmm. He didn't He didn't mind performing. I think eventually he started to like going on the road because it, it can be hard being on the road. It, I mean, as nice mm-hmm. as it sounds, it's some, yeah. And um i didn't mind that as much and i didn't mind uh, being out there and doing production and doing uh the performance stuff yeah and so i'm done so anyway sorry i digress so there was a second independent release titled infinity Mm. and it was like an ep though it was a six song ep and this was ninety, about ninety, oh God, six, seven, mm-hmm. and even before that, I was I put together a group called SLM Soul Liberation Movement, and oh, we were we were almost yeah we were almost signed. And I'm gonna get you all these songs so you, you know can check them out. Um, we were almost signed to SBK, okay. um, but that thing fell through for various reasons. Um, but they, once again, we went out to New York and met with some people. And I, it just didn't happen at the time. Um, and that, then after that, that's when and we put got back together in Minneapolis, under natural selection. Uh, minus LA, there was some some new players, some great musicians, Sean Ware is one, John Swan. We were kind of the core of it. And then we had Keith Brown on bass, Dan, Daniel Knight on drums. I just want to mention these guys. And um, that was kind of the core of it then. And um, we put out that EP and did some local shows. We probably could have toured a little bit more, Mm -hmm. at least in that region. And we just, you know, things happen. We're we're a little older at that point. So people are, you know, you get gotten day jobs. And like I said, a bunch of us, a few of us had kids. So it's so hard to get people together. So after a while.
0: Yeah. Once yeah. Families yeah. and stuff, and you're dealing with more than like yourself. You have to get right. all the other people in the band to. Get, I get
1: it. Yeah. So, so you know, I'm sorry I'm yeah. get this prism coming in here. The sun, or oh, it's
0: kind of glorious. It's like, oh yeah, <laughs> I like an let it okay. out your window. <laughs> That's um, it's good.
1: Okay. So yeah. So you know. Yeah. yeah. So um, so that was uh, called Infinity. That was a, a six song EP, mm-hmm. and then kind of broke up again went our separate ways then sort of i did i did a solo record which i think is how you located me because
0: mm-hmm.
1: um i got the email from you on my frederick o'neill thomas page Sure did. which yeah so that was that and that was my yeah that was a solo album that was put out in originally 2009 10, 2009, 2009. Mm. and um and now i just you know it feels like the right time to do this, and I see a lot of my contemporaries at that particular time that are touring still. And a, a friend of mine, he's telling me, "Man, you, you know, you have something that that you could do. You just need to get out there, put it together, and just because this," he, he said, "Look at all these other people that you t- you mentioned in these names. These people on these, I love the '90s tours mm-hmm. and doing their thing." I mean, in spite, of, and, you know, in spite of the pandemic and all that stuff, I mean, they're making whatever you have to do to go to shows or whatever, but it's like these people are still doing shows. And I was like, oh, wow, yeah, not uh, You know, and I've always wanted to, but like I said, you know, having the kids here too, uh, trying to set time aside to write mm-hmm. and do all that stuff and then rehearse on top of it and put a bio together and all that stuff. So I have, um, his name is Years... Donnie Davis. So he's been helping me a lot and kind of inspiring me to, to get a move on. And that's been kind of the catalyst uh, as of late to put it back together. Find Elliot, even. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, do some, uh, have we have some plans to do some shows uh, this some, spring and summer. Wonderful. And yeah, so after we, uh, on the basis or to promote some of this unreleased material that we have and some new material too. But a lot a lot of this stuff, uh, very few people have heard, maybe a few locally, but it's basically the musicians that played on it and a few of their friends. Other than that, um, yeah.
0: Well, the reunion of natural selection is something really exciting, but I'm even more happy to know that during the last 30 years you have ma- maintained being musically active and recording and releasing. So I'm really happy to hear that. And I want to play with a solo track for you too.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 It's really yeah. Um, no, that's nice. I I'll say this. I did a little research on you, yourself. Oh. Um, you are a very good singer. You have a very good voice. Thank you very much.
0: I appreciate it. I heard that. some of
1: Yeah. Weren't you? Um, I don't know if you guys are still together. What was Six Strings Loaded? Right? Yeah, Six String Loaded. Yeah. That oh, was no,
0: my, back, my band for 10 listening. years. <laughs>
1: right. I went back and listened to that. So have a very strong voice. Yeah.
0: Thank you. Oh, yeah, you, yeah. You've blown my mind here. <laughs> I didn't see that coming.
1: Well, you know, I'm a musician, so I'm going to do research and listen to stuff yeah. and go. Uh, I'm always listening. I like all kinds of music. So, um, you know, yeah. So
0: thanks for checking it out. Yeah. I'm proud of, yeah, I'm proud yeah. of the work and the writing. And, um, yeah. you know, it's, but that's where, when we're talking about that, that's why when I said trying to keep a band together, when everyone yes. has their own, you know, they've got their families, their children, their, you know, uh, other things going on. It's, it's not an easy task.
1: Right. It is not. No, yeah. very. Yeah. I felt At that. Least, and, yeah. Yeah. It's hard to put your, your all into it. And I think in the past I've been like, I got to a point where I went, well, if I'm only going to do it half-assed, I just don't want to do it. I'll just play my guitar and piano for the kids and and do a show here and there. Cause we had a, a residency here in the Seattle area um uh, at a restaurant and i was like this is cool for now but then you you see you're like okay i got to expand my operations <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah
0: Be, when you're thinking back to the last thirty years of music that you've put out, um, yeah. what, what's a what's a song that's endearing and special to you that you wish would have been a single or a release? Oh I God, a... I want to play it.
1: Oh, cool. Well, there were there were a few of those on the first Natural Selection album for sure. Because you know, we only after Hearts they we did we released one more single, which was it Sweet which didn't do as well. I don't think it cracked. As far as chart-wise, it was a good song, but it didn't chart, really. I think it might have 88. It was way down there, whereas um, the other two were in the top 40.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but having to sort of f- fight with the record company on which songs to produce and or which songs to release and which songs are singles, you know, I... I look back and I go, I wish, I think this song would have did so well. And who knows, It maybe it wouldn't but there was a song called Brum Rush Your Heart. And mm-hmm. it was, uh, it was a sort of like a, it was a new Jack swing type. Mm-hmm. It, re- it would remind you of that song Poison by Bel- Bel- Belbib DeVoe. I don't know if you remember yeah. that song. Was oh, still yeah. that kind of song, had that kind of feel to it, very sparse. There was mm-hmm. only a bass, drums, A little bit of guitar, vocals, few keyboard lines, very sparse, though. But um, that would have been uh, nice to have had that out and been because we performed it live. We just did a raw version. One of the guys, Jason, uh, one of the guys uh, was in the group, Jason Williams. He would do a beatbox. So we do it very raw. (laughs) Beatbox, me singing, Elliot playing keyboards. Yeah but that one, um, that was on that record. Probably Let's Get It Together was another song on that album that, that I would have liked to maybe have been released and to see what, what would have happened. As far as my solo record, probably is a song called "Do What You Do" and have more more of a reggae feel. Mm. Um, that's on that Frederick O'Neill Thomas album. That song, because I think it had a lot of potential um, crossover, whatever you want to call that, or you know, just some okay. mass appeal. I'll say it, that term crossover kind of. Yeah, but yeah.
0: If there's one thing yeah. I really miss about the '90s, it's New Jack Swing. Yeah. Wow that was like probably I, my favorite sound of all uh, me too genres. me too
1: especially me too especially that uh, early period and there's a there's a few stations and obviously if you have xm satellite or whatever you can get these stations that play that particular style but there's a dj i heard in minneapolis that some station that plays a lot of that on a, like a friday or thursday nothing but new jack swing mm-hmm. so all the guy stuff the teddy riley stuff the Elvis Davo, today, all those groups that mm. kind of, <laughs> um, some of that heavy D and the boys stuff. Some of that was New Jack. So
0: yeah, even Michael and Janet were even doing New Jack. So yes,
1: yeah. that's right, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. what do
0: you what do you think the listeners can look forward to with what's coming up? What 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 are the goals? What do you have to share so that we can uh, pay attention so, and get involved?
1: Yeah. So, like I said, we have those, some live uh, performances coming up in spring and the summer. We're going to put the band together, and that's going to be the the fun part, because it's always great playing live for people. Mm -hmm. Um, And some of this unreleased material that uh, some, uh, Frederick O'Neill Thomas, some solo stuff, and some mostly natural selection stuff, actually, Mm -hmm. and some of these songs I wrote and co-produced when I, there was a, a brief period when I went back out to New York and I worked with a producer. Um, I don't mean to be long-winded, but there's so much going on in my head right I now. I love
0: it. I love <laughs> listening to everything you have to say. It's wonderful.
1: Okay, okay. So so <laughs> I went out there and worked with a producer. His name was uh, Keith Diamond. Now, uh he was popular for uh, he co wrote and produced Billy Ocean, the Caribbean Queen album. I don't know if you mm. remember that. So, Caribbean Queen, yeah. Um, all those songs that were on that, um, suddenly was on there. He did that also. And uh, what was the other song? I don't know, those were the main two. Um, and so I worked with him, and that's when I was working with. Donnie Davis out in New York, and we had some great material, and that's some of that we're going to re- release and put that out and and let the people hear some of that. Some great stuff. It's more along the line. sorry that sun is doing The sun's it's chasing
0: dangerous.
1: you. Yeah, like, <laughs> some of the um. Let's see if I do this. Okay, some of the uh, <laughs> uh, bad background. Okay, we'll go back to the sun. Um, <laughs> yay! <laughs> back to the prism. Um, so, uh, what was I saying? So, yeah, we're going to release some of that material that I did in New York with, uh, Donnie and Keith Mm. and Jim's in there. Some, some nice stuff. And I'll be posting things. We're going to, we're going to slowly put things up Mm -hmm. and, um, let you see what we're doing. Good. And I was going to, one other thing, we're just real quick. Um, you did an interview with Kim Sims, mm-hmm. right? Yes. yes, that was a good interview. I like that. I like that. Um, she had mentioned some of the same people we toured with that she had toured with, and she had said one of the highlights of her. Um, um this is so bad. It's one of the. <laughs> oh, you got it. <laughs> it's okay. Oh my god. Anyway, so some of the highlights of her. Um. um Career was when she did Downtown Julie Brown. We also did that, and that was great doing. And you don't you you lip sync your song because they just don't do live performances in in there. But that was nice to meet her and do that that show and have that air. That's on YouTube too. That's up okay. somebody uploaded also. Yeah, our performance on and that's I think that do because they do a bunch of those recordings in one day. We're gonna go ahead and do this.
0: Oh look, there, there you go. go okay
1: yeah so they do a bunch of those recordings and uh the tapings in one day and i know uh marky mark and the funky bunch was there and we did a bunch mm-hmm. of shows with them um p.m dawn was there did a bunch of shows with those guys remember those Lovely. guys too? yes yeah um and did a great show with a lot of those groups so that's another one they're coming to me now as we're probably closing but on buffalo buffalo new york there was we did a very good show there. It was kind of memorable um do you think
0: you do you think you'd consider participating in one of the nostalgia tours the big tours that are going on now
1: oh yes absolutely yeah that's why i said we're trying to yeah uh we were trying to get on one of those 90s tours i had a guy talking to the some of the promoters but then they you know they shut everything down this was 2020 and they were like well we're not we will re zoom. I think it's back up and running now but it's they they cut out of they canceled a bunch of the dates yeah uh for it. um yeah so no I would absolutely be interested in uh doing that um yeah yeah and they
0: had if one you went this summer here oh well, in Calgary um it went from Ooh. like Toronto Calgary probably Vancouver um, but it was very sure. Euro dance orientated. So you had like uh-huh. Two Unlimited and Wigfield and uh, Aqua. So there was one that was done by much music hosts. And mm-hmm. so it's starting up again. It's it's going. Yes.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I saw you also saw your interview with uh, uh, Ray from Two Un- 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 Unlimited.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. That's fantastic.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm.
0: It's good that like these, these tours are happening again and hopefully you get to come to Canada because we'd love to see
1: you. That would be great. You know, our song did so well in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, we would look, we would look at that Monday morning quarterback and those other radio um, uh, periodicals or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was always doing very well in Canada. So yeah, for sure. And even when I get my royalty checks which are not as much as it used to be they'll tell you where a lot of am from and a lot of it canada is a, a lot of the times the highest on there and australia nice. too which is very strange but canada is usually up there too so
0: that's wonderful yeah. i'm proud yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh as we wrap things up uh one question yeah. i ask everybody at the end is usually love. if you can think of a food, a toy, clothing item, clothing brand. Wow. What makes you nostalgic for the 90s? Of any oh, of God.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I tell you what. Uh, shoes mm. um, bring me back. Um, just because I remember at the time, everybody and I, you know, I kind of was one of my uh, things. I the sneakers. I just oh, God, from. Yeah. Shelto Adidas, Timberlands, what, at the time, you know, we had Doc Martens. Oh, I yeah. don't know if you remember those thick shoes with the pad leather yeah. on, uh, on the top. <laughs> remember we were all wearing So yeah, that's kind of, kind of makes me think about that. Yeah.
0: Did you have a favorite yeah. pair? The uh, Like a favorite brand?
1: I probably, I liked kids a lot. We had, remember the, uh, some of those skateboard type shoes remember all that stuff was stoozy and all that was very yeah. popular at the time um um yeah I used to really rock the timberlands quite a bit you know um Sweet. yeah 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 <laughs> wow.
0: i've had such yeah. a good time talking to you and learning so much about you and and natural selection so i really want to thank you for taking the time um and we can also continue like i'll always do news breaks throughout yeah. future episodes so as soon as you've got something new happening and it's out on your social media i'll plug it on the show
1: for sure yeah, yeah yeah i would i would like that yeah
0: that way we keep in touch with what you're doing i would love that yeah
1: yeah. yeah um I, can i tell you one little one little story before we of go
0: of course yes okay so
1: because one of my friends he said you should tell that story so this will go back to um it's a prince story so okay. that's kind of why I want to tell you. Obviously, you can tell he was a major influence on me mm. um, just by listening. If you listen to the song, and all my friends in high school know it for sure. And when I got to Minneapolis, people, you know, they just know um, him and Rick James were two of the people that inspired me the most when I wanted to become When I wanted to when I jumped deep into full on music instead of wanting to be an athlete or all that. I'm like, OK, I'm only going to yeah. be like five, nine and. Like a buck forty-two soaking wet. So uh let me all oh, these musicians, you can do this a long time. Not have to <laughs> worry about all these injuries that you might, you know, uh procure or whatever. So I um so um going back to the Ingrid part. So Ingrid came to us, she goes, Prince uh told me um he said that there's a song that uh that's out and everybody thinks it's him because a lot of people thought it was him real you know a lot of the musicians kind of could distinguish it, but most people thought it was him and and in that area it's from minneapolis it's almost everything was just set in motion just that way or they Mm -hmm. thought he had something to do with it so he um she said he asked her to let and this is after she had recorded her part Um, we had a mutual friend and she called her and then that friend called me and said, Oh yeah. And then she goes, well, Elliot, you guys, can I get a a copy of the song Prince wants to hear it? Cause he hadn't heard it. You know, he's probably touring or whatever. And I don't know how much he probably listened to local pop radio, probably not that much, but everybody's telling him there's a song. And he's like, I don't, I don't have no, that's not out yet. Cause this would have been the time he had diamonds and pearls out.
0: Mm. I think
1: that was, he had out. Uh, so Get Off and all that stuff was out, Ooh, I think. At that time. Get
0: Off is like probably Prince. one of my favorite print songs. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Guy. Right. A, just yeah. a side note. <laughs> okay. So that was, this was about, that was out. Um, and a few other, like uh, Cream was out too. So that was mm-hmm. out at the same time. That was on the charts at the same time. And so she said, I want to get a copy. If you guys can run me a copy, I can take it out there to him and let him check us out. And we were like, oh, cool, maybe something will evolve from this or whatever. But although we were already ready to sign with Atlantic, we just thought it'd be cool to, to do. So we give her a copy. She takes it out there to him. Now this, now I wasn't there. And I've met him before, but I, you know, this is I met him during when I didn't even have a deal. This was probably 1986. He was just hanging out at First Avenue, went up to him and shook his hand and said, mm-hmm. Prince, you know, he's like, what's up and i said hey what's up i liked your movie this graffiti bridge was out at the time and i just walked away because me and my friends were like i don't want to be like i'm some groupie jocking him but i was like if he only knew how much he really influenced me you know got pictures of him on the wall and stuff but um so back to the story so um uh so she took him a copy now she came back and reported this that he said this so i mean he probably did say this so she said he he listened to the song and um he said well this doesn't sound anything like me I don't, this is uh, you know it's okay for a, a pop song but it's a total rip off of tell me something good by rufus chaka khan oh, and i <laughs> no and, and, and funny the songs are very similar now we didn't rip that song but we probably were unconsciously, definitely influenced by that song. Great song, Stevie Wonder wrote it for Rufus Chaka Khan. Great song. Mm-hmm. And if you sing the choruses, they are very similar. Um, but I I wasn't even mad about that. I thought that was the ultimate compliment to me. <laughs> when she said, he sounds like, oh wow, this musician actually gets it. He can hear what's going on. So I always liked to, to that was one of the, my highlights of uh, um, a Prince story that I have. So yeah,
0: that's the thing. And a- you read between the lines of what he's trying to say is he gets right. what's going on, and I love that. Right. Like what so what like, wow. the influences were and everything.
1: Right. Right. <laughs> it was yeah. so
0: worth it, and uh, good to get to know you. Thank you, Frederick. It was a pleasure. Likewise.
1: Thank you for having me on. Appreciate it. Yeah. All Thank right. you, Naomi. Okay.
0: All we'll right. keep in touch.
1: We'll do.
2: Nostalgia dope Instagram at dope underscore nostalgia visit our website at
1: www.dopenostalgia.com or pick up the phone and call us at 780-851-8785
0: this podcast is licensed by Socan because we believe that artists should be paid for their work